0: I got a little extra acoustic guitar and the headphones today from Pumped John it up Hicks. for you. <laughs> we got our studio monitors going this morning. We better shut those off before we get thrown out of the building by our... Uh... We have a hilarious dynamic on the floor of our studio without revealing too much exactly where we are. Mm. Uh, we've got some people that like to make a little noise during the day. And then we've got some people that like to work in quiet. And we've had to like find this... Like most
1: offices. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've... What we've had to, what we've tried to do, is remind everybody what what an exciting time it must be for them to mm-hmm. have access to such good music all the time. It's a, it's
1: a, you're, getting, you're getting free content through the walls. This is free
0: content. <laughs> you're not even paying for this stuff. A good morning to you. It's Thursday. It is June sixteenth. John Hicks. It is one week today that we're going to be hanging out at the Ranch Golf and Country Club for the inaugural Real Talk Golf Classic. Mm -hmm. I had my buddy Gino reach out to me yesterday. We were skating. He reached out and he said, hey, how's registration for the Golf Classic? He said, do I still have space? I said, what are you doing waiting until now to sign up your team, Gino? So he did it on his phone in the locker room, nice and easy. He goes, we're in. And he registered his foursome, which is simple to do uh you can see it right here if you click on uh ryan com, you go to events you click on the golf classic there it is takes you to the event bright page uh three hundred dollars a golfer includes a fantastic uh support a donation to the real talk julie Rowe scholarship which is the whole reason we're there mm-hmm. well that and golf and having a great time and crushing amazing food and mm-hmm. smashing drives so much and food. everything else sinking food, food 40 overload. foot putts and there, food overload. We're wondering if there's too much food there. Yeah,
1: like you're like, here. here's the food we're having, John, the other day, and you, I was like.
0: Starts on hole one, two, three, four, five, food trucks, grills, pierogies, we got everything, Soho pizza, we got a whole bunch of stuff coming up, it's going to be awesome.
1: We will not be hungry.
0: If you're closest to the pin on one of the par threes, you're going to win a luxury leather recliner. If you hole out on any of the par threes, you're going to win either $20,000 cash or a Jeep. doesn't matter which par three you're on. There's a prize on every single one of them.
1: Walker was talking about this on the Hedgepod. pod. Oh, yeah? And uh, he said, it's funny when you always try for like the big money <laughs> holes, but then it's always like, it's not a letdown, but when you get a hole in one on like another hole and it's like a wrench set <laughs> that's the one thing about uh,
0: talking to andrew walker when he golfs host of the hedge at the hedgepod.com mm. he 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 talks he has two holes in one mm. so it's a little annoying to talk to him he's a great guy but it's mm. a little annoying to hear so he's you know say tell us your hole in one or do you have a hole in one story he goes like which one do you want to hear and it's <laughs> like ah. i've got two and then you always hear it's like always someone's mom or someone's grandpa or it's like some, there's always the one person that has like five of them <laughs> yeah there's the, they got they hold out in their first game ever uh, and then and then a couple of years later, they, they had one, you know, they hold out, it, you know, it's just these crazy stories. Anyway, we're hoping that magic happens. Magic's going to happen at the tournament because you're spinning tunes and of course. we can't wait to greet everybody. We've got amazing volunteers and sponsors. And as mentioned, oh, a steak dinner at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. But of course, all of this to support this scholarship in honor of our dear friend, Julie Rohr. It's a $5,000 annual scholarship for a post-secondary student in Canada that's lost a parent to cancer. This is this is per Julie's wishes. Uh, The scholarship with her blessing, it means a whole bunch to us, of course. And uh, her family is participating with us. Julie's family is going to be at the golf tournament. Her husband's playing in the tournament, which is going to be so much fun. Again, RyanJesperson.com. You go to the events link. You click on the golf classic and get your tickets today. I think we have room. I'm just going to tell you the numbers. I think we have room for three. We have three more foursomes available. So that means we have room for 12 more golfers. So we'd love to see it sold out in year one. It's a week Today, a 215 shotgun start. Oh, did I mention it includes lunch? It includes a whole bunch. I'm running out of all the things that it includes. It's like
1: a yeah, You can show up at after? 1 o'clock.
0: You show up at 1 o'clock. You grab your lunch. You go hit the putting green or just crush a cold one on the patio. Do whatever. Do whatever you want to do, and uh, it's going to be a great day. Coming up today... A whole bunch of you and I appreciate this. Have been in touch with us about the Klondike Papers. How familiar are you? I'm putting you on the spot right now with the Klondike Papers. You want any? Do you have any clue what this is about?
1: Some, but I'd like to be informed further by you.
0: They're feeling well. I'm going to go look to Justin Ling to inform us on this. Uh, Does an amazing job as a freelance investigative journalist, and you've. I guarantee, you know, I mean, if you're involved, if you're interested in politics in Canada, uh, you've read Justin's work. He's done a ton of writing for a bunch of big media outlets. And he's got his own as well as subscription uh, platform, bug eyed and dot com, where he takes on. And I like this. You know, what would you do for a Klondike bar? What would you do for some Klondike papers? He asks you. This is a, a new conspiracy theory. And people have been sending us so much information with Mm -hmm. this thing It, it almost feels like i mean i'm not comparing the stories i'm not comparing anything but it's like the panama papers when they came out and they're like you know journalists from across north america are digging into this and pouring hours of research into this and trying to make sense of what this is all about but as i tweeted this morning from our official real talk account in justin's words the klondike papers a sprawling tale uh, of religious zealots plotted kidnappings and a wild plan to provoke the anti-vax convoy well, no, and so Justin's going to get into I mean it's a it's and some parts of the story as he'll tell us in just a couple of minutes are not wrong I mean some of the stuff that people are saying well there's this connection here and this person was recruited to do this for this group and he'll say yeah that part's true wow But the next part might not be. And so I'm hoping that he can kind of take us through step by step. We always say we want to be at a street level, the podcast, the live streaming show, wherever you catch us, however you get us, that allows you to feel like you can be one of the people in the room that understands not just the issues of the day, but why they matter, right? And so if someone says, have you heard about the Klondike papers? You go, yeah, yeah, I've heard about them. That's what I would say right now. And they would say, what do you think is the wildest part about it? Or what part jumps at it? What part concerns you about it? What part do you need to learn more about? That's what we'll get into with Justin Ling today. Plus, Chris Cromwell joins us. I'm looking forward to this. This all started her BIPOC outside podcast as a master's, project she's she's earning her master's she's in post-secondary school at the time she launches this podcast november of last year to take a look at some of the barriers that exist some of the challenges maybe the inequities when it comes to outdoor sports and recreation well it turns out people really dig what she's talking about on her podcast she's uh well we'll find out if she's midway through she's during season two right now she did snow sports in season one Mm -hmm. she's doing wheeled sports in season two. I don't know if it's on a lot of people's radar. If you're a black, indigenous or a person of color, it's probably more on your radar than if you're not. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if people really realize that there could be inequities at play among us in places you least expect it with regards it. to getting outside, participating in sport, et cetera. So we think that's going to be a great conversation Plus, we're going to take a look at what real talkers are chatting about. We'll take a look at some of the news of the day. One of those uh, charged following that so-called anti-vax convoy, the Freedom Convoy, released from jail yesterday. I should at least officially open the show before we show this video because it's it's just I, I got a kick out of it, even though it's not really funny. I think people will see what I mean. This show happens. We have these conversations because we have the support of sponsors like the folks at Bitcoin. Well, nobody's pretending like it's not a tumultuous time in Bitcoin right now. That's for sure. And we've never on this show said to you, you should buy Bitcoin or you should sell your Bitcoin. But what we do say, my personal testimonial is that if you have no idea what the hell is going on and you want to talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about, You want to figure out what's the right fit for you, or maybe even if it's a fit at all, I recommend you talk to Benny and the team at Bitcoin Well. You can find them under the Sponsors tab right near the top of the page at RyanJesperson.com.
2: Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: So we'll give Glenn McGregor a shout out for this clip. He's the one that posted this video, Glenn underscore McGregor. He's a CTV national news journalist in the Parliamentary Press Gallery. A fellow by the name of Tyson George Billings uh, was released yesterday uh, right around noon Mountain time, just early afternoon Eastern time after pleading guilty to counseling mischief at the Ottawa protests. And he, he says he wouldn't take it back.
3: It feels really good to be released. Of course. What, uh, but you still, now you've got a conviction, Failed a criminal conviction. Yeah, I got a uh, mischief charge. This is CTV yeah. Do you, you,
1: you, you think you did anything wrong? Do you have any regrets?
3: Failed Failed
0: Failed I coached mischief Failed Failed blowing Failed the horns for the seven minutes of Jericho March. That's all I did. Failed did you regret that? No, I don't regret it. I'm a freedom fighter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just... <laughs> the part where he goes, he goes... And I know people. Are, some people will write in, I guarantee it. They'll write in, they'll email us, and they'll say, I can't believe you guys are joking about this. You're laughing about this. You think this is funny. This is not funny. We don't you necessarily have to see think the it's video.
1: funny. We don't you think it's funny. See
0: the, you, know, you got to see the video. Oh, no, I don't regret it. I'm a freedom fighter. And then, ah, the crowd goes nuts. And then, let's go! The let's go at the end was the it's like it's what, a hockey game what or something. really sold it. So there's a new convoy that's, I don't know if you heard about this, it's leaving BC or it left BC yesterday, and they're planning mm-hmm. on on getting to Ottawa in time for July 1st. And I thought it was pretty interesting. We saw that roll out. Uh, Mubin Sheikh, you remember him earlier this week on the show? He said, let's wait. He said, let's reserve judgment. He was talking about the Patriot front arrest in Idaho. Yeah, He says, let's reserve judgment on all this as Canadians, because as we are wont to do, as Canadians can tend to do, we look at the Americans and we go, oh, look at the Americans. Look what the Americans are dealing with. And we sort of ignore some of the things in our own backyard. And mm-hmm. Mubin says he's going to be curious to see what happens July 1st in Ottawa. I imagine that city bracing itself again uh, based on the developments of that so-called Freedom Convoy a number of months ago.
1: Haven't they been through enough? I mean, geez.
0: Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. We'll track it. I saw somebody tweeting yesterday. I wonder what these these convoy members, these new convoy, they're, they're getting set to go. They're going to roll their rigs out you know, down Highway 1, mm. uh, make their way to Ontario. Said, I wonder what they're protesting this time. Like, there's really not. Alberta's lifted vaccine mandates. Vaccine mandates are essentially lifted across the country. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder what they're protesting this time. And that Barney Panofsky guy on Twitter, that brilliant dude, says high gas prices. Inflation. They're protesting high gas prices. It's too hot in the summer. Convoying across the country. Some interesting conversations happening as well on the conspiracy theory front and we'll credit David Coletto and the team at Abacus data for this one. This jumped out at us yesterday. We wanted to put in front of you uh, real talkers. some of the numbers, this is a survey conducted by Abacus data. When it comes to Canadians and belief in some conspiracy theories, this is really, really wild stuff. So when it comes to the, the agree or disagree type polling, right? that's you know are there things like big events? Big events like wars or recessions or elections, the big stuff that dictates the direction of our democracy and the like. you know Do you believe that, that there could be you know, big events, wars, recessions, or elections that are controlled by small groups that are secretly working against all of us? Of those pulled across Canada, 44% agreed that big events are controlled by small groups secretly working against the rest of us. agree. Much of our lives are controlled by plots hatched in secret places. 41% of Canadians polled agree. 41%. That's not that far off of half. And how about this? A group of people is trying to replace native-born Canadians with immigrants who share their political views. Now, this is a a bit of a twist or a bit of a take on that idea of that great replacement theory, the white replacement theory that people can uh, Google if you haven't already. I feel like if you're an audience member on this show, you probably know exactly what we're talking about. But when it comes to those that would believe a group of people trying to replace native-born Canadians with immigrants who share their political views, 37% of Canadians agree. More than one in three agree. Now, this stuff kind of blows my mind. I mean, if you take a look at 44% to return to that first one, 44% that believe wars, recessions, elections are controlled by small groups secretly working against the rest of us. If you're in a restaurant, there's 100 people in there, almost half of them, 44 of them. If you extrapolate this data and apply it to a real world scenario, 44%, almost half of the restaurant would believe that the recession, for example, is being cooked up. And controlled by a small group secretly working against the rest of us. When you see data like this, mm-hmm. how does it land with you?
1: It's a bit scary. I mean, and here's the thing. I, I want to know, like, who are these people? Are they young? Are they old? Is this, like, a cross-section yeah. of everybody? Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm ashamed to admit it. But when I was, like, between 18 and 22, I watched... Alex Jones videos and I bought into the whole, you know, Illuminati thing, not like a hundred percent, but I, you know, I walked around sometimes thinking like there's this ulterior motive that, uh, you know, the elites have over us, but, uh, I, I hope Justin can explain this better, but like you were saying with the Klondike papers, some things are true and some things aren't and they just get blown out of proportion, I think all the time. So I can't believe that it's almost like that data you were putting up. It's almost half and half. Forty four percent like
0: now it's different pretty, if somebody let's say somebody misinterprets the question. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to give someone the benefit of that out here. I guess I'm sort of trying to find a way to to process this a little bit. And it might be, a, you know, it's it's different if someone, for example, says, well, I believe that that wars are hatched by. Uh, You know, if you're talking about a small group of people, if you're talking about, you know, like world political leaders, do Mm. I think that, you know, Boris Johnson and Joe Biden, uh, you know, and and to a certain degree, maybe Justin Trudeau. I don't know. I always perceive Canada kind of like a little bit like just not not they're not on the first call. Yeah. uh, But who knows? I don't mean any disrespect to our great nation. But, um, you know, if you're talking about that, then sure. Yeah. I'm sure that there are there are some conversations about global security and, Mm -hmm. and how does, you know, whatever we're talking about. Uh, fit into a bigger narrative or a bigger plan or global security or energy security or things like that. Sure, mm-hmm. but like you mentioned, for example, the Illuminati. Yeah, right. Or, or <laughs> people talked about Pizzagate or you know the, the whole Jeffrey Epstein connections to people and Bill Clinton flying on Jeffrey Epstein's jet and this that and the other.
1: It's not just that. It's like when things are disproved, like Pizzagate, for example, been disproved, but there's still people who still, yeah, believe
0: it. Oh, for sure. C- continue. Oh to believe for it, sure
1: continue to push the narrative so uh did you read that last one huh uh, on the uh, visual you put up there yeah, yeah yeah that that one to me is the craziest I'll we'll get into it what jumps
0: it, out at you for it? that
1: one just th- that that's the most that 40 percent of people believe that you know a group of people is trying to replace native-born Canadians with immigrants who share their political right, to- views I think that's a big one being pushed kind of on the right right now mm. on Twitter and different places so
0: yeah. Justin Ling will uh, he's here. join us. Oh, he's ready to rock. Let's go. Okay, perfect. Well, let's do it. Let me, let me get a couple of these out of the way, and then this, is, this perfectly sets the table for our conversation with him. Um, Justin has taken on a project that, quite frankly, I'm just going to – well, I'll say it to his face when he's here. Let me just save it. I'll say it to his face when he's here. I'm so glad he's doing it. Um, can, can we call up the photos that we received? I got a tweet last night, and the timing of it was very interesting. This is from Brock. Brock tweets at me last night. And uh, he's out on like a sort of a a family adventure, it sounds like. And he says, can't beat this supper from the Newcastle Dairy Queen. And Brock shows off his blizzard there. It it was Brock and the kids. (laughs) Dad was in in charge. I give him the two thumbs up on that. Like Even our friends at Dairy Queen would not recommend. They're a family-owned company. They would not recommend blizzards for supper seven nights a week. But when Brock's in charge at home. It's a great day for the kids. Now, here's what's interesting is my phone dings. I get this tweet, and he's showing me the photo, and guess where I'm sitting? I'm sitting in the parking lot of my home location, the Westmount Dairy Queen. Why? Because I had five minutes before I had to be somewhere, and I needed to fuel up. And for the benefit of those that are listening to this podcast, let me describe what you're seeing. This is the Bacon Triple Cheese Signature Stack Burger. From the Dairy Queen in Westmount, look at that monster with the crispy bacon, the melted cheese, the fresh bread, and the Dairy Queen bun all centering around that 100% real Canadian beef.
1: Now, did you have to pull over driving and take a nap after this? Looks like a big, like, big endeavor.
0: I crushed it in the parking lot, <laughs> as you do, and then I went on my way. The signature stack burgers, you can find them at the Dairy Queen's in Palisades de Mayo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Fascinating stuff. And if you'd rather make your burgers at home, can we recommend the real butchers at Friesen Brothers? You want ground beef? You want ground bison? You want to do turkey or chicken burgers? Maybe you want to do something plant-based. For more than 65 years, Friesen Brothers has been operating across the province of Alberta, still family-owned, and you can find them online at Friesen.com. Alberta-grown, Alberta-owned. That's Friesen brothers Justin Ling is uh, a freelance investigative journalist he's the writer behind the newsletter bug EyedandShameless.com. you can subscribe there we encourage you to do it we encourage you to support independent journalism he took on a story the minute he did it I reached out and I said you got to come talk to us pal because I'm in a wind wobble around this what would you do for some Klondike papers a new conspiracy theory emerges where you least expect it on the left at BugEyedAndShameless.com, Justin Ling joining us live this morning. Thanks for making time for us. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. I'll be honest with you, man. I'm so glad you did this. I, I We were getting emails from people. Uh, we were getting DMs from people. People were hitting me up on Twitter, and I, was, I wasn't trying to ignore it. That's not the right way to characterize it, but I was trying to get into these Klondike papers, I was trying to understand what they're all about. And it's intimidating. I was like, I don't even Mm -hmm. really get what this is. This is a wild story involving a lot of people. There's a lot of angles to it. What
3: prompted you to actually dive in? I think I pretty much the same thing. I mean, it was getting inundated for a certain point from um folks on Twitter, emails, messages from, from folks who were saying, you know, you have to dig into this. Why is the media ignoring this? Is this being covered up? Why is no one spending time on this? And You know, sometimes I get those messages and I say, listen, this thing is nonsense. I'm not gonna waste my time. Um, This was a circumstance where there was clearly some value in in these documents. There was already a handful of stories that had been written based on them. Um, Some reporting in press progress about some plan to hook up Doug Ford with the Russian embassy. Um, Some reporting in the Toronto Star, I believe, uh, linking uh, Alberta cabinet minister, Jonathan, uh, linking Burdick had the minister with a plot to obtain a journalist's cell phone records so there was stuff here um clearly but the claims that i saw being made ranged from the idea that um you know, the, the Conservative Party and lawyers linked to the Conservative Party had funded the convoy that took over Ottawa earlier this year, uh, that there is Russian dark money pouring into Canada and financing all manner of uh, political happenings uh, and, and and that there is a plan of money on the table to have the prime minister killed um, You know, from this, this shadowy religious evangelical sect. So a bunch of these claims weren't just being made by total yahoos. I mean, they were increasingly being shared by um, you know folks on Twitter, folks on TikTok, folks elsewhere, who uh, and, and including on some websites and blogs from some you know relatively well-known broadcasters. And uh, it was becoming increasingly clear that unless somebody kind of body checked this these conspiracy theories, and dug into them, figured out what was true, what was false, they were going to percolate into something much bigger. I mean, I was already looking at TikTok videos, you know, tying all this stuff together and going even wider with alleging that there's some international plot of evangelicals and conservatives and nationalists to destroy our democracy. And it was racking up, you know, half a million views. So I think it was really incumbent to to sort of tackle this thing head on and and, and figure out where the truth lies.
0: I'm not comparing the conspiracies or the stories per se, but it even even had that sort of uh, is Fidel Castro, Justin Trudeau's father kind of a vibe with regards to Pierre Polyev.
3: Yeah, there was even a claim that Pierre Polyev was the son of this this political fixer, um, this lawyer who's who's been around uh, the conservative party for some years, a guy to, by the name of Gerald Chaper, who's the sort of puppet master, uh, at least according to, to some of these conspiracy theories. Um, so it had everything, and 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 again, you know, the claims that were being made, the claims that were being reported. Pretty well founded, in fact, I discovered pretty, pretty well, you know, reported press progress. The Toronto Star, some others had done a good job of, of digging into some of these documents, some of the claims being made in some of these interviews and some of these podcasts on some of these websites by the folks familiar with the papers were were you know we're we're trading on the legitimacy of those other documents but we're making claims that were just totally unsupported by fact including this idea that Pierre Poliev is the secret love child of this conservative organizer um, and 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 then finally the third step were these folks who were taking these stories and drawing their own connections drawing their own you know tying twine to to push pins on a corkboard and it was very, very quickly taking on a life of its own. And, and it was increasingly driving people to say, like I said earlier, why is the media covering this up? Is the media part of the conspiracy? Are they being gagged? You know, what's happening here behind the scenes? So, you know, this is this is how these things start. And it happened really quickly, which is kind of what was so disconcerting. I mean, from from the time that these allegations were first made to, you know, these TikTok videos getting a half a million views, they were talking about some seven, eight days. I mean, yeah. this was incredibly fast moving.
0: Well, and I think that maybe there's a there's a, a certain sense that nah, that's not the right word, but but maybe people are, are, are more hyper aware or are more vigilant at this time because we're seeing credible reporting and and uh, astute editorials talking about the rise of so-called Christian nationalism in the United States and evidence that there is power uh, held by religious institutions that is manifesting itself politically. So you have a jumping off point there where a lot of people can say, I see some of this stuff happening in real time. So when you pull back the curtain, so to speak, on something like the Klondike papers, a lot of people are in a position ready. And this is probably yeah. just we can talk bigger picture about how conspiracies spread, period. People are ready to try to make sense of what how this is all happening behind the scenes, right?
3: Yeah. And so, so let's talk for a second about what's actually in these papers, because I think it's, it's interesting and it's useful. Um, You know, these papers are the records, the emails, the text messages, the Twitter DMs um, of one particular Canadian political fixer, a guy by the name of David Wallace. And some of the claims being made, especially some of the claims that got reported are are, are seemingly quite true. At least these documents support them as do other interviews, as does reporting in other countries. Um, They largely, you know, this piece largely concerns an evangelical sect known as the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. It is a um, particularly insular uh, organization. It's not very big, maybe 50,000 members worldwide. And it, it rests on the theology that the rest of the world is wicked only members of this church are good and pure and therefore they shouldn't associate with anybody outside the church even other evangelical denominations uh, much less other religions or non-believers And that begets, you know, what has been alleged is cult-like behavior. You know, they they become increasingly insular. Anybody who tries to leave gets excommunicated, denounced. Uh, And what we've seen in Australia, New Zealand and elsewhere is this practice of hiring private investigators to go after people who have left the church and those who have spoken out about it. And seemingly that's what happened here in Canada. Allegedly that's what happened here. Um, this Wallace fellow was was hired by uh, this this you know semi prominent lawyer I think working independently by a guy by the name of Gerald Chapur, supposedly Pierre Polyev's dad. And Chapur hires him to go track down this one particular whistleblower who had left the church and and kind of rung the bell about some of these shady practices. Well, over the course of, of doing that contract, Wallace has a falling out with Chaper and, and with the church and some others, and he actually goes to the guy he was supposed to be surveilling and said, you know, hey, listen, the church that has it out to get you. They want me to track you down. They want me to take your cell phone. They might even want me to kidnap you. I think you should be aware and maybe you want to skip town. So this is all well supported by these documents, and this is all some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, you know, this is kind of Scientology-like behavior. This is the sort of thing we should be aware of and alert to and worried about. This is the sort of behavior we, we, we should not be tolerating um, from, from a religious sect in this country, and it's worth you know, a fair bit of scrutiny. But here's where things really go off the rails. It was over the course of a bunch of interviews um, on a, a podcast with a guy named uh, James Diafori, um, as, as well as broadcaster Dean Blundell, that Wallace starts making some of these bigger claims that the convoy was partly organized by this lawyer, Chaper, um, that uh, Russian dark money is flowing into the country through casinos and financing all manner of political activity, that um, this brethren church wanted the prime minister taken out, and it's implied really heavily. Thanks to Blundell and some others, that that was an assassination plot, um, and and you know, all sorts of other claims kind of stem out of that. But these claims are not supported by these documents he has. Um, the you know, push comes to shove, Wallace kind of admits that maybe he's overstating some of these things. But but you know, people heard the sort of truth behind this, the truth about this church heard these wild accusations which are not based in reality and ran with it and and it it was really quickly creating this little conspiracy movement that uh you know i think we'll see where it goes from here on out but you know had the potential to kind of create this sort of deranged qanon like movement on the left this is were you surprised that
0: blendell took that interview by the way No. no
3: No, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I actually went on um, James DeForey's show last night to chat about some of these things. I mean, I I think that some of these folks like to play the in between between journalists and and and, you know, entertainment broadcast. And they, they kind of some, to some degree admit this. I think their listeners ascribe to them a level of journalistic integrity that they don't have and might not even claim to have. I think they have a habit for saying, you know, we're just going to air all sides. We're going to let people say what they want to say, and, and we'll let you know our, our listeners and our readers decide the truth. Mm. Um, but I think that's irresponsible. For one, I think Blundell in particular went far beyond that. He actually repeated these claims verbatim and then actually built upon them on his website without really a- adequate caveat or warnings. Um, I think they took these things at face value. They didn't challenge Wallace um, at any at any point in time. They didn't um, you know, do any digging to assess the validity of any of these things. Um, and, and frankly, I think it was irresponsible. I think people who were watching this show, reading Blundell's website, um, assumed they had done some level of work. And because they were already so primed to believe these things, um, they they really trusted Blundell you know, probably far more than they should have. I'm still getting messages from people saying, you know, you didn't do, you didn't do your job. You didn't read these documents adequately. Blundell did. I'm, I'm siding with Blundell, even though Dean Blundell and James DeForey are now saying, Oh, uh, we may have goofed. We're going to, you know, we're actually going to now retract some of these big claims and say, you know, maybe, maybe we we were a little bit too rash and in, in believing some of these things. But, you know, this is, is what happens when conspiracy theories like this, when these big claims get made and don't get challenged immediately and quickly. Like, I, you know, I, I still think of an alternative version of reality where um, you know, in the early, early days of QAnon, we had picked up on it sooner and had challenged it sooner and had, had, had dived in to try and say, yeah, you're right, Jeffrey Epstein you know, was protected by powerful people. You're right, Bill Clinton probably was too close to the guy probably did did fly on his jet sure probably yeah probably probably did fly we know he's flew on his jet but you know here's here's what we can prove and here's what is still kind of innuendo and here's what we can prove is actually definitively false I I don't know that it would have stopped QAnon from becoming a big conspiracy theory but I think it probably would have lessened its impact and maybe um, stripped away some of its ability to recruit and radicalize people Um, so I think increasingly I'm on the lookout for conspiracy theories that are that are just emerging um, to see if we can sort of insert ourselves in quickly do a kind of rapid response uh, and give people the tools they need to 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 tackle these things to understand why why they're keen to believe um, you know what the real motivations behind the originators of these conspiracy theories truly are why some of the broadcasters who promote them are doing so uh, and, and to try and help people you know, make up their own minds with all the all the useful facts i think we've learned over the last couple of years that this this fact Check culture this this sort of browbeating people and and telling them um you know they're, they're wrong you know fact check false you know eight pinocchios you know, whatever whatever you want to call it um i think that that culture has has done a disservice and has probably backfired in a big way i think we have to chat with these people directly head on and we have to show them why we're making these claims not just tell them it's wrong mm,
0: yeah i've, I've had, a, I had a fascinating conversation with someone off air uh, talking about the trend to dehumanize people that, that you disagree mm-hmm. with or dehumanize people that, that quite frankly, just cut to the chase that you think are stupid or that have stupid ideas mm-hmm. and how it's actually a really dangerous approach. Mm-hmm. And there's too much of it happening right now, and it's leading to this division. But there are things like, I want to ask you this, Justin Ling, our guest, if you're just tuning in live streaming on the Mixler audio app, uh, independent freelance uh, journalist does an amazing job on the investigative side. You can check out bug-eyed and com. Subscribe there. We encourage you to support... Independent journalism um, People will say Well it makes sense That they would think That there could be Some dark money Or some big money At least let's say Funding that freedom convoy Because they were talking They were in the tens Weren't they in the ten, It was like they were raising like tens of millions of dollars it was wild. remember at yeah. least they had like 15 million with GoFundMe then they went to that Christian funding service because GoFundMe didn't want to be affiliated with it and I think a lot of people were saying where's like where are millions of dollars coming from? So again, the door opens to something that may be valid maybe
3: not mm-hmm. and people go, well, okay, I can see it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But here's the thing. You know, it's very easy to sit around and say uh, there's a whole bunch of dark money, money pouring in and it's the Russians and it's the it's the, these American billionaires uh, and the money's missing and no one knows where it is. Because you can claim that uh, having done no independent research or investigation or study of these issues and people will believe you because people want to believe that because it, it feels true. And you know, this is kind of what I said about Blundell and the euphoria and some of these other broadcasters they're more interested in what feels true than what is true in some cases um and and you know that's their purview i mean not everyone is it has to be an investigative journalist not everyone has to do you spend their entire day dealing with this stuff some people can can have entertaining and fun podcasts and that's okay but you know, there, there are those of us who have done the work, who, you know, who have sifted through the donations, uh, the public ones, the leaked data uh, behind uh, the Gives and Go uh, crowdfunding platform. There are those of us who have looked through the email inboxes of the organizers of the convoy, also leaked through, um, you know, kind of an, a hacktivist campaign. Um, there are those of us who have spoken to people in the federal government who have dealt with the, the, the money, um, the surveillance of the fundraising. There are those of us who have interviewed uh, organizers and participants of the convoy. And what we can tell you is that there there, there was certainly some rich people who gave money. But the vast majority of these donations came from individual donors, and I realize this is for some people an unpleasant reality. Some people don't want to believe that there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people out there who uh, identify with this, with this, with the convoy and the occupation, who are anti-vaccine, who are distrustful of the government, who are themselves adherents to conspiracy theorists, or who hate the Trudeau government, or who support, you know, someone like Chris Skye who who participated in the in the in in the convoy, Um, it's an unpleasant reality to realize that the kind of divisions in our society are this deep and this stark, and that there is this many people who have been kind of disconnected and deranged from society. But the reality is that's what's happening and it is an easy out and it's a wrong out to say it's all some shadowy man behind the curtain it's all some uh, international conspiracy i mean this is exactly what Pierre poliev is doing with um, his effort to become leader of the conservative party of canada i mean he is turning to his followers and saying everything bad in the society all these all these bad things inflation um you know the, the true government um maybe even the pandemic these public health measures vaccine mandates well that's not just a government you dislike. It's also an international forum where the rich and elites go to cook up ways of restricting your freedom. And it's it's in Davos, Switzerland, and it's run by this shady German guy. And the World Economic Forum is, is, is out to destroy your freedom and your civil liberties. And it's working incredibly well because people are primed to believe this. They might not know anything, about the world economic form, but my God, they they're ready to accept that it's 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 the the master of all evil in this country.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people that know the name Klaus Schwab that have no idea who he is or what he's about or what yeah. the actual right. Um, so, and this would be of particular interest. One of these angles in particular, when you mention the name Jonathan Dennis, a lot of people in Alberta, their ears go bing. Because the mm. former justice minister, the former solicitor general has has found himself involved in, in several really fascinating and intriguing stories. He's represented some people that are quite colorful. Uh, he's been involved in some personal dust ups, uh, including with his ex-wife. And so people are always kind of Jonathan Dennis is not just your average boring lawyer. No offense to lawyers. Mm. So when it was reported by the Canadian press uh, and and this uh, fixer says, and you've referenced this it's part of the Klondike papers, you know, fixer David Wallace, right, says that Jonathan Dennis, former Alberta justice minister, hired him to get a reporter's phone logs. We're talking about. Uh, Alana Smith, now of Canadian Press, former Calgary Herald uh, reporter. So a lot of people in Alberta were going to pay attention to that because it's kind of a so-called local angle, right? People in Ontario, mm. same deal. If there's a thing that has you know an angle on Doug Ford, people in Ontario, especially considering the recent election, are going to be paying close attention to that. Can we do like a, a Coles Notes bullet point type assessment? Uh, and I encourage people to read the more long form approach you take uh, in your paper. But but what checks out and what absolutely does not check out? when it comes to the Klondike papers.
3: Yeah, and and there's stuff that absolutely checks out. Like I said, this this, this plot to surveil and and maybe even kidnap, the kidnap angle is a little shaky, but at the very least the plan to surveil and track this ex-member of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church Checks out. You know, I've, I've spoken to the the the, the ex member in question. I've looked at these documents. I've looked at uh, the church's uh, tactics elsewhere, and everything follows. Uh, you know, I, I, nothing's been proven in court, obviously, but everything looks pretty legitimate. Um, the, the story about Jonathan Dennis uh, trying to hire uh, Wallace and other associates to to get uh, this reporter's phone logs also seems to be very you know well founded. And the Canadian Press did a great job on that story. Ditto for these um, these documents that seem to show an effort by uh, Wallace and others to arrange a meeting between the Russian embassy, perhaps Russian business, uh, and Doug Ford. Um, That is legit, the the meeting never happened. Doug Ford ultimately didn't take it, obviously for for incredibly smart reasons, but nevertheless, the effort was was afoot. There are other things in these documents uh, that may end up proving other nefarious deeds by um, the Patrick Brown's name is in there extensively um, other folks around the federal and provincial conservative parties in Ontario and Alberta um, is in there it's, it's going to require a little more time you know, these documents are with a number of journalists across the country who are um, you know doing the due diligence to make sure that everything checks out because the reality is these documents are a total mess there's claims being made in here in private conversation that are completely baseless there's Rumor and innuendo flying this way and the other. Um, you know there are contracts that got signed and never executed. There are plans that never get put into place. So it is incredibly difficult to parse through everything. But at the very least, the tales in here that relate specifically to David Wallace, this this ex political fixer who often did sort of PI work uh, for many of these of these politicians or these political organizers everything that kind of is 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 tightly focused on on his work seems to be legit i mean you know the, the, these are the guys internal emails and he, we know for years he worked Doing some 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 shadowy kind of behind the scenes work, um, so I think there'll be more shoes to drop on that front. And when you see them come out, if they come out in a, in a major outlet, um, you know, even some of the smaller ones like Press Progress, I think you can have a degree of, of trust in it, if not a, a high degree of trust. I mean, you know, This is what we do. We we get documents like these, and we kick the tires on them, and we stress test them, and we call around to see if they're legit, and we talk to the people named, and we look for corroborating evidence um and 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 that's the work we do we're we're not hiding anything we're not dragging our feet we're not trying to keep um you know the the lid on things we're we're not being gagged by court order like some have suggested it takes time to get this stuff right which is again why it's really frustrating to see people go off half-cocked and say, you know, here are all the big claims the media doesn't want you to know about. Um, the reality is, you know, we're doing our best to figure out what's true, because the last thing we want is to start publishing things that later have to be retracted. Um, you know, I, I think a great example is, is, I was talking to some colleagues about this today, was BuzzFeed's publication of the, the Steele dossier about Donald Trump and the, mm-hmm. the sort of grandiose, and, and and we now now maybe somewhat ridiculous claim that there was a, a P tape out there about, you know, the former president. I think the publication of that document ultimately did a ton to hurt our credibility, um, even though most outlets published it with huge caveats and really useful um, explanations about why they can't necessarily be trusted. Uh, Nevertheless, I think the decision to go off, have cock, without fully checking every single claim in there, without without ever fully assessing all of those. Um, all of those details, I think, was a huge mistake.
0: And, and and you're bang on and the timing of your comment is important. I mean, it, it was it was just announced June 14th a couple of days ago. Reuters Institute released its 2022 digital news report. I know you saw this um, shows that Canadians trust in the news media has sunk to its lowest point in seven years. That's something that can't be ignored. And it's why investigative journalism done right is so important uh justin we want to respect your time i just i, I want to ask you this in closing because mm-hmm. you, you do so much more than the klondike papers obviously and you've, you've built your reputation in canada uh, with with a ton of coverage and a ton of work invested into a bunch of different stories. Uh, we were just showing some interesting research from Abacus data. Johnny, you mind putting mm. that up real quick just around conspiracy theories. It shows that 44% of Canadians polled believe that big events like recessions, elections, and wars could be controlled by small groups secretly working against the rest of us. 41%, more than four out of 10 Canadians believe that much of our lives are controlled by plots hatched in secret places and almost 4 in 10, 37% believe a group of people, the so-called Great Replacement a group of people is trying to replace native-born Canadians with immigrants who share their political views I know you've also been paying attention to the January 6th committee hearings in the United States in closing Uh, Your general assessment, uh, your, your, your inclination, your understanding, your finger on the pulse of where we're at right now with regards to where people are at, generally speaking, conspiracy theories, common sense, and the art of conversation, people meeting in the middle to have conversations that matter.
3: Yeah, you know, I think this polling data is interesting. I, I always, I'm a little bit leery of of opinion polling about conspiracy theories because the reality is most conspiracy theorists don't want to pick up the phone and report what they believe necessarily. Lots of people who want to, you know, mess around with pollsters will tell them they believe in just about anything. People misunderstand questions. People who are not familiar with conspiracy theories don't know they're being asked about conspiracy theories and say yes because they don't fully understand. I've had the belief that if you Pulled, you know, two thousand Canadians and asked them are all cats boys and dogs girls. Twelve percent are going to say yes. Right. So the reality is, and this is not to to, to dig it at advocates. because I think it's useful to have this data and it's useful to at least have a a bit of a benchmark, especially as as these numbers may go up and down. I think it's important we kind of keep tabs on on these beliefs. And the reality is. There are millions of people in this country who believe conspiracy theories. Whether that's there, there's an illuminati that are plotting a new world order, whether that's there's a there's a plan afoot to replace white Canadians, ethnic Canadians, ethnically, and you know European Canadians with with immigrants or non-white folks, um, you know, which is deeply racist and troubling, and and in some cases a violent conspiracy theory. I no doubt that 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 belief is is relatively prevalent in this country. Ditto for the belief that the world economic Forum is somehow pulling the strings of our government. Um, you know, we have seen data both in Canada and the U.S. that many of these conspiracy theories are not just uh, here, but they're growing and they take hold really quickly. Something that I was reporting on from the very early days of the war in Ukraine was this idea being pushed not just by the Russian government, but also by QAnon here at home, that um, the, part of the reason for the invasion was to destroy um, U.S. funded bioweapons labs in Ukraine. Well, it only took about a month for that a conspiracy theory to make it to the halls of power in Congress and also to find belief in about twelve percent of the American public. Again, that number is a little a little squishy, but nevertheless, you know, maybe as much as one in ten of the country believed this this completely baseless conspiracy theory. So um, these things are moving faster than they ever have before. They're 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 finding purchase amongst more people than they ever have before. They're making um, you know a more significant impact than they ever have before. And governments and political entities are finding ways to weaponize them in in new and terrifying ways. And it's part of the reason why I started this 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 newsletter um, was to dig into exactly these things. You know, I have written about how 4chan has helped craft, mold, and popularize The Great Replacement Theory, I've written about how David Icke, the guy who told us that everyone in power was a secret lizard, ended up having the last laugh because many of the things he wrote have basically been adopted wholesale by a huge political movement in in the West, in Europe and Canada and the US. Um, Obviously not so much the lizard people thing, but everything else has been more or less adopted wholesale as a incredibly potent and, and dangerous political ideology. And uh, later this week, I'll be writing actually, probably tomorrow, if I can get to it, I'll be writing about how um, you know, this biolabs conspiracy theory continues to percolate and, be, and has become a really useful weapon in, in Putin's propaganda war. So there's a lot happening here. And it, you know, this goes beyond just Um, you know, laughing and jeering at the the dumb people who believe these things, because it's way more complex than that. Many of the people who fall for these conspiracy theories are incredibly smart and incredibly sophisticated actors who have become so disengaged with our current reality, our current political culture, our current institutions, that they have not just uh, taken, you know, taken hold of these conspiracy theories, but have helped create them and help craft them and help make them into something that is incredibly sophisticated and hard to debunk and hard to disprove. So we're in a really dangerous spot now, and I don't think things are going to get better, but the best we can do for the moment is understand where the stuff's coming from, understand why we want to believe, and to understand the motivations of the people who are selling this stuff to us. Because uh, until we do all of that, I think we're going to keep seeing this get exponentially worse.
0: You can read, subscribe to and support Justin Ling's work at bug and dot com. Important work now more than ever before. It's always great to connect with you. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for this. Thanks for having me. You bet. Go ahead and like what you're hearing. If you're watching us on YouTube now or later, go ahead and share the content. and, Of course, tell people about that podcast. I think this is important stuff. I'm seeing that Klondike Papers uh, stuff, the hashtag pop up all over the place. I know there's a lot of interest about this, and I appreciate Justin's ability to boil it down for us uh, into bite sized chunks. Fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's good to know that, like, this, the conspiracy theories happen on both sides. Oh, for spectrum. sure. Right? It's and not limited to one. Crazy.
0: Anytime you they're say both, both sides, people are going to get a little bit twitchy, I and I understand I mean. why. Left it's, and
1: right and center. But they you're happen, right. They happen everywhere, and we have to comb through all of it
0: yeah and i like how he talks about that journalistic process and how it's so important to take your time and to verify things it. right it sounds obvious yeah but we're in this day and age now where you know like a newspaper columnist back in the day would be responsible for th- three or four maybe five columns a week yeah five would be a lot uh you know a, a tv reporter would be responsible for 90 seconds a night mm-hmm. or a minute and a half every two nights or something like that now it's like bang 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 you expect from your whether it's a sports journalist or an investigative journalist or you might call them like a a chase news or a spot news reporter, Mm -hmm. somebody that's, you know, I wouldn't put it this way to their face, but chasing ambulances, (laughs) you get the idea. (laughs) Although, not many outlets really have reporters like that, the general assignment, spot news, chase news. You don't really have yeah. that anymore, unfortunately. It's just the newsrooms are shrinking. But the point is, people expect content all the time and immediately. Immediately. But through they don't the news, right now.
1: That it takes time to confirm everything and make sure, like, these reporters don't want to get fired. They don't want to, like you said, they don't want to have to retract everything they do. Or they don't want to be part of the problem. Yeah. So people are always like, we've heard about this thing. Why why isn't he in jail? Why hasn't action been taken? Well, because they're looking at it. Because yeah. it takes time. You know? Chris
0: Cromwell's coming up in just a second. I'm looking forward to talking to her about her podcast. It's, it's, it's a day. We didn't plan it this way, but it's a day celebrating independent storytellers mm-hmm. and independent media contributors. And Chris has a, a really neat thing going on. She founded it, as a matter of fact, as part of her studies. And we'll get into that in just a second. First, I want to remind you, I mean, Justin League's obviously kidding. Or did he say are all dogs uh, I
1: was boys and all up. cats girls or something so like that? For the longest time, and I still have it happen to me, when I look at cats, I always think they're girls and dogs are all, like i call my little chihuahua priscilla i'm always like hey buddy but I'm, I'm like oh she's a girl why do i do that hey girls can be buddies <laughs> yeah you know, you know what i mean though yeah. like i had that when i was younger i thought that too so. well it, it sort of segues
0: nicely into a mention that we want to make for uh i mean just such great friends of the show the Monsuma family they own grand dog essentials quality raw food what can i tell you more than this they provide the food They deliver the food to our door that our dogs eat, that our family members, Moses and Monroe eat. So our trust level in Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food is very high. And you know that it's Grand Dog. The logo is a beautiful dog. But did you know, if you are a cat household, you too can benefit (laughs) from the quality raw food. They want to remind you this if you shop now, you can see all their products, the beef dog food, chicken dog food, turkey, alternative protein supplements. Moses gets his supplements for his back issues. They work, but check that out right there. Cats. And they've taken a lot of their raw food, a lot of their offerings, and they've said these ones are perfect for cats, like whole herrings, right? or uh, or is, is the plural herring still herring? I don't know if there's actually
1: I think it, there's no s.
0: I don't think you say, <laughs> look at all the herrings. My apologies. <laughs> The doggy moggy beef raw patty, the raw fermented goat milk, all of this stuff. Perfect for the cat or dog in your family. You can check out granddog.ca. The promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first-time order. As mentioned, Calgary, Edmonton, and parts of central Alberta delivered right to your door.
1: I checked it. Herring or herrings is correct. Herrings is okay? yes. Oh,
0: hey, we better take a second. I got to eat some crow here. I was wrong about something, wasn't I? yesterday yesterday I was wrong about something and I don't remember the, the audience member's name but I owe a Chris Cromwell's like are you going to get to me at any point here Chris I pro- <laughs> we're going to the host of the BIPOC outside she podcast just
1: waved she said she's <laughs> fine
0: Chris is I can't <laughs> wait to check it. this is her debut on the show I'm really looking forward to it uh, yesterday I was talking about Baba's own pierogies you this were is, and, and I was ta- and, and, I, and, and an audience member after we were riffing on pierogies and local and how Friesen Brothers is always there with Alberta products mm-hmm. uh, and this audience member said whoops Ryan made a whoops he said that Baba's own progies are only available at Friesen Brothers. I said, I said, I don't think I did. I said, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have said that because I know that is not. I wouldn't have said that. And we went back and we checked the tape after. We did
1: check the tape, and, uh, and what did I say? Well, you made a boo boo.
0: I made a boo boo. I <laughs> did. I did allow the word only to slip out of my mouth. I don't know how it did, but I but I did. And if you listen to our podcast, you would have heard that Johnny did some. He didn't change the truth. We didn't no. alter the truth. But what we did was I ate a little crow and admitted on the podcast I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to the audience member that, that was, uh, I, I wish I could remember your name. I apologize, but we'll put two points if that audience member <laughs> chimes back in and says, I was the one that called you to the carpet, Jasper. Well, I owe you that apology. All right, let's get back to this. Our friends at Kubi Energy want me to remind you, number one, they're going to be there at the Real Talk Golf Classic. They're our cart sponsor. Nice. We're so excited to have them there. Jake and his team going to be swinging the sticks with us next Thursday. Providing solar energy solutions to power your life. This is what their company does. Their company's leadership, ownership comes out of oil and gas. They saw the new horizon. They saw a new opportunity. They saw where the industry was going. And they've developed a brand that is among the most trusted in the country for solar installations across BC and Alberta. You can get your free quote for solar today at kubienergy.ca. If you're looking for work, if you're a journeyman electrician, if you're an apprentice, if you're a great salesperson. Kubi would love to hear from you as well. They are literally always hiring. Our friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge have bar none, the best selection when it comes to Ram 1500 trucks, all the way up to the 3500 heavy haulers, the big one tons, the duallys, the Jeeps and the Dodge lineup. Whether you're downsizing based on fuel prices or whether you're bringing in something new, A new steed in the stable, if you will, to pull that family trailer this summer. Maybe pull your boat. Look no further than Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Sales side, 10 out of 10. Service side, 10 out of 10. It's where my family buys our vehicles. And we've had a partnership with them way before we started doing this business together. I hope that means something to you. It means a lot to us. And our friends at Local Environmental, I talk about all these family-owned businesses. There's kind of a common thread If you know, you know. Mm -hmm. It's different when you're dealing with a local business that's owned by a family, especially one that's owned for more than a quarter century, like local environmental. If you're in Alberta or Saskatchewan, you're looking for waste management services, recycling, water hauling, portable toilets and fencing. Maybe you need a vacuum truck for a big project you're doing. Agricultural, commercial, industrial applications. There's nothing they don't do at localenvironmental.ca. I'm going to check in on the live chat real quick just to make sure. Yeah, see, no one's, no one's coming in to claim those two points yesterday. No one, <laughs> the person that called me to the court, but there you have it. I do see a lot of people talking about uh, Hall of Fame columnist Terry Jones being unceremoniously let go. Let's talk about that after we connect with our next guest. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Chris Cromwell is a lifelong skier, a year-round cyclist, and she occupies those spaces as a woman of color. Uh, Recently completing her master's degree, she wanted to explore the racialized geography of exclusion in outdoor sport and recreation and thus introduced the BIPOC Outside Podcast. It's a real pleasure to welcome the creator, host, I'm pretty sure producer, and the face of the BIPOC Outside Podcast, Chris Cromwell, making her Real Talk debut. It's so nice to see you here on the show. Thanks for making time for us.
4: Thanks for so much. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, this was uh, really neat. The first time that that Bipoc Outside came across my radar, I think it was on Twitter. Social media works for sure. And I went, like, "What's this all about?" And I dropped in. I listened to your, you know, your pilot, your first episode first. And I went, like, "I thought number one, this is such a neat idea. Number two, so important because number one, people of color are going to feel like their voices are being heard on this, and number two, uh, people like." white people, if I can just say it, people like me that would have no idea about exclusion in outdoor sport are going to have it all over our radar. Is that mission accomplished from your end?
4: Yeah, you got it. Thank you.
0: I, I want to make sure that, that we sort of understand what this is all about. So this is a it's 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 a storytelling venture. You connect with people that are involved first in, in snow sports and then in wheeled sports. Um, it, it was part of a master's program, but now it's become quite a bit more than that, hasn't it?
4: It absolutely has, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I occupy these spaces as a woman of color. And, I mean, it, it becomes really obvious throughout my whole life that... You know, people of color are underrepresented in outdoor spaces and absolutely non-existent in media. And I wanted to explore that in a deeper way to sort of find out why and what we could do to solution that. And so if you talk to the industry, they'll come back, whether it's the bike industry, the ski industry, they like to say that the issues of why... Uh, people of color are significantly underrepresented are economics, proximity, and culture. And proximity is really just economics, the time and resources to get to places where these activities take place. And that doesn't track for me. It never did. And I wanted to explore that. So, for example, Canada and the U.S. has roughly the same stats. Um, abysmal stats in terms of people experiencing poverty. It's about 25% in indigenous nations and communities. It's about 20% in black communities against national averages of about 11%, uh, which are abysmal and embarrassing and fodder for a different conversation. But that means there's tens of millions of people that could participate and choose not to. So why? Yeah. Um, And consumer data says ethnicity and culture doesn't significantly change spending habits. It certainly doesn't change vacation spending habits. So where are these people, right? Why aren't they out here with me having a great time? Uh, So that really leaves culture. And we have had national organizations, the National Brotherhood of Skiers, the Indigenous Life Sport Academy that started as the First Nation snowboard team, working for decades to address this. So why isn't it changing the needle? Um, and when the industry says culture, they, says, they say it's the culture of racialized communities. They don't want to participate. And that's simply not true. Um, it's that the culture of these spaces isn't welcoming or doesn't feel safe or doesn't feel like it's a place where we belong. And I wanted to quantify that and then come up with solutions to change that. Did
0: you like when you were I mean when you think back to you're a little girl and you're learning to ride like the training wheels come off and you're riding a bike for you know the first few years or you're just getting into winter sports um, as a person of color was was that do you think like when you look back now as an adult was this premise or this reality was this already on your radar in a way subconsciously or otherwise Did, did you always feel like you were a little bit on an island.
4: A little bit. I mean, obviously, I learned how to do all these things with my dad. So my dad was my my first coach. My dad was my outdoor adventure partner and still is. Um, So, you know, that was my first introduction. I had that family introduction. But as I got a little bit older, I started to realize, like, we're the only people in this space that look different. And I am biracial and very light skinned. Um, But my father is not. My father is very obviously, you know, a black man. And it um, but it really sort of hit home when I got a little bit older and started going out and adventuring with my friends because I didn't have the protection of being with my dad. That's when it really started to um, become apparent to me that I'm, I'm I'm different. I don't look like everybody else here. in fact, there's no one else that looks like me here. And my aunties started to get, you know are you safe? You know, you get these sort of questions like, should you be doing that? And should you be out there? And, you know, are you okay? I started to get a lot of these sorts of questions. And I'm sure a lot of kids, my, you know, at that sort of age group, teenaged age group, when you start to go out by yourself, who are from communities of color, they get these questions from, you know, their loved ones and the women in their family who take care of them. Say like, are, are, there, are you making safe decisions? Are you gonna be okay out there? And that's when it really sort of sinks in your heart, like, Am I okay out
0: here? Hmm. You, you talk, I mean, you've talked to so many different people. Uh, you're you're in season two right now, uh, as mentioned, and w- your most recent pod, which I listened to just last night, you're, you're talking to uh, Chris Chan, who cyclists and in particular cyclists in, in our home province of Alberta and, and even more specifically in our home city of Edmonton would likely know the name Chris Chan. And he he says this thing about midway through your interview with him where he goes, I don't in his own assessment and maybe there's I'm sure a bit of a dose of humility there. But he says, I haven't he says, I don't really think I've done anything specific Um, to pave the way, so to speak, or to open the door for people of color when it comes to cycling. And then you almost immediately come back and talk about how he has and you give your assessment of how he has Um, in, in talking to all of these movers and shakers, these athletes, these outdoor enthusiasts, these these people that are passionate about outdoor recreation. Have you found common themes or common threads about how they approach their passion or how they approach their sport? What's really jumped out at you?
4: Uh, What's really jumped out at me, two things. One is that um, a lot of these folks want to be addressed as like athletes, advocates, adventurers first, right? Take away the tokenism, take away the exceptionalism because we're we're all complex people. And and, yeah, they're all doing phenomenal things in the space, but they're people first.
0: So are you saying someone doesn't want to be known as like an indigenous climber or or a, a black
4: cyclist? Precisely, precisely. Um, you can be a cyclist and you can be a person of color and you can be an accountant. Uh, you can be a lot of things. We're all very complex. Right. Um, but a second thing that I has really come out as a major theme is when we talk about representation, we're not talking about getting ethnic models into marketing photos. We're talking about, um, having people of color at the table. Whether people of color in positions of authority, decision-making positions. So whether that is, you know, in management at a ski resort or whether that is, you know, the people who are on the snow in leadership, whether that's coaches, trainers, avalanche forecasters, right? People who are doing the job. Um, that's the sort of representation we're looking for and people who are making the decisions, not necessarily photographs in, you know, outdoor magazines. Mm.
0: So how do, when you approach, like when, when you're, you know, you're producing your podcast and you're, and you uh, you know, obviously you, you, I would imagine you have sort of a long list and a short list of guests you'd like to have on and subject matter you, you'd like to tackle. Um, what typically catches your eye about somebody's story? Like, it, it, it's interesting. Can I say this? This has nothing to do with with black or indigenous people of color, really. Uh, and it really has nothing to do with getting outdoors. But I'll have conversations with people, for example, um, let me say, like, a, you know, the, the first woman chosen as the leader of a political party or or the first LGBTQ individual chosen as a or elected as like a premier or as a CEO or something like that. And they're always, especially as like a, a, a white, middle class, heterosexual male uh, it, it it always feels a little bit awkward to ask the question. So I've, I've, I find that I've evolved. I feel like I'm talking to a psychiatrist right now, but I've, evolved, but I've evolved how I ask my questions instead of saying, what does it mean to you? And and sometimes the question's important and sometimes it's a valid question and I don't want to take away from that. But, you know, what does it mean to you to be the first female premier of this province or what does it mean to you to be the first, you know, gay man to lead this party or to be the first whatever um, I find myself evolving the question to, does it drive you nuts when the first question in every interview has to do with you being a woman? And sometimes the interview subject will say, yes, and thank you for asking me that. And other times you get the sense that, no, that's actually important, right? No, that's an important detail and I want to talk about it. So when you talk about somebody doesn't want to be known as like the indigenous climber, for example, how do you how do you kind of navigate those waters? Because, because you want to... Show representation, and at the same time, you want to tell the story accurately and how it needs to be told
4: absolutely, and so when I introduce someone I don't introduce them as you know an indigenous climber, a Latino cyclist, I introduce them as the person and what they're doing in the space right their their name, their photograph will indicate that they are representative of a racialized community um, but i when I and then I always go and talk to them about what are you, what are your adventures? Tell me your favorite stories. Tell me your trail tales. Give me your tips and trips. And then I address their expertise. If they are an expert in gear, for example, then I have a whole bunch of questions about gear for you. If um, they're an expert in reducing economic barriers for a specific community, how are you doing that? Tell me. You know your impetus for this tell me where you are experiencing barriers and what you want the wider community to know um and then for some of our athletes especially some of our um, athletes that have sort of reached the pinnacle of their sport i do ask them like how is it to be on the olympic stage when you come from a small community and you know to be so far away from your community how do you find your balance how do you find you know your space what advice do you have for the next generation coming up so that they can feel more comfortable in that space and take their place in that space
0: i even think of the iconic olympic imagery of you know the athlete with the 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 black gloved fist raised in the air i think of i'm thinking of colin kaepernick you wonder about athletes that may not want to compete under a certain flag or represent a certain, right? I mean, you talked to Connor Ryan, a Lakota skier, an American Lakota skier. People should check out that interview. I love the comments about dancing and the cultural uh, sort of the application of dancing into skiing. And I mean, just really neat perspectives. But but these are issues. This is why I think your podcast is so important because for the majority of people, or at least for a ton of people, literally millions of them, this isn't even the type of stuff that would be on their radar.
4: No, no, it's not. And I, you know, I, I really appreciate taking that back to, you know, dominant society so they can broaden their perspective. But I've gotta be honest, my my objective is more to the young indigenous, you know, with the Connor Ryan interview, young indigenous skiers to say, hey, there's a guy From my community or from a community that's adjacent to my community. And he's out here. He's doing this and he's doing it in a way that resonates with me culturally, but also it's just really rad and it's a lot of fun and it's available to me. I could maybe try this.
0: So are there a few? No, I know there are. I I don't Not Are there a few? What are a few uh, steps that you think decision makers, society at large, members of the general public, uh, listeners to this podcast or to this show uh, could do to make outdoor spaces more inclusive, more accessible? I mean, what are some tangible things? Or, I mean, are you seeing some things happening right now?
4: I am seeing things happening right now. And, and it's positive it's positive and it's exciting. Um, a lot of engagement with Indigenous communities, particularly in national parks, public lands. Um, and now, particularly in the States, with Deb Halen coming on as the Secretary of the Interior and having that leadership having that decision maker at the table. Um, we're seeing things like trail names being changed. We're seeing things like um, more and more scholarship opportunities for people who, to whom economics is a real barrier and it is a real barrier. Um, we're seeing an original traditional indigenous place names being restored. Um, these are the types of things that address the racialized geography, right? Um, we're seeing more and more engagement from outdoor industry to not just decide what would make changes for racialized people to feel more welcome in the space but actually asking them talk to them <laughs> you know go to your local indigenous nation whose land that you are on and ask them how can we make this space more welcoming to you how can we redress some of the historical harms hmm. why don't you come here <laughs> you know we, Ask the question,
0: you know, isn't it funny that I know you're not presenting that as profound, but but we're all listening to You going, yeah, we should talk to other people to see how they feel about things. What a fascinating concept yeah. um, we we as a, a family went to we were at Maline Lake uh, last summer, we went on the boat tour to Spirit Island and we had this guide. She was remarkable. Like, as a matter of fact, I remember thinking at the time, and I'm saying this facetiously, but like, I'm like, if I was the owner of this, if I was the tour operator here, I might be getting a little bit nervous at at her, the depth of her conviction around reconciliation and stolen land and all these types of things. But I was like, we were sitting there, and Carrie, my wife, she squeezes my hand. She's like, "This is so good," because this tour guide, she was just, she had such an understanding of the in the significance of that area in and in particular Spirit Island. If people haven't seen it you got to go there You, you are not welcome to walk on the soil of spirit island it is protected uh and very significant when it comes to the the traditions of certain first nations that have been there for thousands of years anyway the point is the the national parks service like parks canada has been working with these indigenous communities to ask that question chris to ask why have you stopped coming here why are you not here and the answers have been pretty obvious i think and, and I think that these First Nations, based on my understanding, again, I just heard it from the tour guide and there was a, a great conversation on this boat. Um, and I just the people, all these complete strangers from all around the world, Germany and Norway and, and, and a lot of like kind of making your point, Chris, a lot of like European type visitors. But still the point being wide open to actually quite hungry for the story, quite hungry and eager to understand the history there. And she was talking about how there has been this partnership in recent years to bring back. These indigenous people to, 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 to have them be able to infuse their knowledge and understanding the cultural significance, the religious, not religious, perhaps, but spiritual significance spiritual. Uh, of this area. Right. And there's been this return and, and it's it's really marvelous. And that was kind of one example for me. What I, I, I thought this is the way that this needs to be. Right. Uh, pretty amazing. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. That's the way it needs to be. Um, and we, you know, not just. And it's more nuanced than just creating equity of opportunity when it comes to Indigenous peoples. These are their lands, right? And in a lot, in fact, almost all cases in the Rocky Mountains, they were removed and restricted from those spaces in order to create the parks. Um, So it's more than just they should have access. their their sovereignty in these spaces needs to be restored and as something that i'm really sort of conscious conscientious of throughout this entire process throughout the entire community that i'm trying to create with BIPOC outside is that we have to lift up as an entire sort of loosely knit BIPOC community it can't just be you know me focusing on the black community because these are indigenous lands and It's indigenous. There are spaces that we shouldn't be recreating. There are spaces that are sacred. There are spaces where only human-powered adventure is appropriate. There are some peaks that shouldn't be climbed, and we need to know that in order to recreate as good guests. Otherwise, we just become part of the larger problem.
0: We've got some great comments here from people that are tuning in live to this. I'm looking forward to the feedback when the podcast drops. Uh, Sharon says, uh, Sharon Moran says, This is a common theme in my work. She says, More representation in all forms, like elite athletes, sure. Women in anchor chairs, uh, talking about media, women in journalism, women in leadership in general, right? Jillian uh, says, I feel as a person of color in a sport. Uh, It wasn't okay to just be good. Interesting insight. Jillian says, not okay to be an average Joe type player. If you are the exception, you are expected to be exceptional. And she says, and if I'm the only black person on the slopes, on the tennis court, on the field, please don't stare at me. That from Jillian. Yeah. Hmm.
4: Yeah, that's precisely it. And, And I hear that a lot. You know, tokenism and exceptionalism are sort of the two problems when it comes to if you're the only person that looks a specific way in a sport in a space then there's an expectation that you have done something exceptional to be there wow. you can't just enjoy it you can't just be there because it's a great way to spend a Saturday um you've gotta you've gotta rip it up and impress everybody and I mean I've been skiing my whole life there's no way I'm making the Olympics I'm out there to have a good time
0: yeah yeah you and I need to go skiing sometime, by the way, um, uh, at BIPOCoutside.com. Uh, and I want to talk about the scholarship in just a second because yes. this is super cool and it's an amazing opportunity. Don't worry. I'm not rapping, Chris. We're not rapping before we talk about the scholarship. But there's something really neat. People will see, by the way, beautiful art on your main page, on your website, uh, BIPOCoutside.com. It says, this is not a pain podcast. What does that mean?
4: Um, particularly. In the last two years, but always, ever, you know, since the protest cycle of 2020 with Black Lives Matter, 2021 with Every Child Matters, there's been a lot of media engagement to racialized communities with the expect with the expectation that it's going to be sexy enough to get the clicks. Means you got to talk about pain. It means tell, you know, questions like, tell me about a time you were excluded. Tell me about how your community has been historically harmed. Tell me about, you know, whatever tragedy and just sort of mining that pain for for clicks. And I'm not doing that. I'm not interested in having those conversations. It's not that those conversations shouldn't be had, they're important, Um, it's that that's not all racialized communities are. The black community is not just, it's pain. It's also joy and love and having a good time and hanging out with your friends and family and relaxing, right? We are entitled to joy. And I wanna talk about that joy. So, And however you find it. And some people wanna huck their meat, you know, off of a cliff on fat bikes. And some people wanna sit outside and read a book. However you go outside to find that joy, that's what I want to talk about.
0: Did you say huck their meat? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what bikers
4: say you huck your meat off a cliff? I, that's a, I think that's what skiers say and I'm more <laughs> of a skier than anything so.
0: <laughs> oh man, that, I was going to say they weren't saying that when I was Hacking myself off things, and that's probably because it was thirty years ago, and I don't even know if I could get out. I'm 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 more like the uh, the big wide turn snowboarder now, Chris. Mm-hmm. I've my my days of mogul and freestyle skiing are behind me. Hey, can we talk about this uh, this scholarship opportunity? This is super cool. Tell uh, us about this scholarship.
4: Yeah. I'm so excited about this. Um, so actually, Adam Lusiak from EMBF Fast reached out to me in the spring and said, "Hey, how can we collaborate?" Um, and so we started talking through this scholarship. And so EMB EMB fest will be in September, September 9th to 11th. It's going to be a phenomenal event, bike expo, different group rides every day for all levels of activities, trail bingo, food, bike tours, uh, learning activities, including trail first aid, which I think everyone should, um, have that's, that's important. And then. You know food gardens beer gardens kids activity hubs it's going to be a phenomenal event and we and you know they really wanted to make sure that they could make the event as accessible as possible so you know we had conversations about language we had conversations about who to engage in the broader community in Edmonton in order to make that happen and then we started talking about scholarships and you know the show has grown more than I had ever expected. I thought it would be like my parents, my ski buddies listening to it, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, but, uh, we're sponsored this year. So I had, you know, was in the position to say, well, I can sponsor scholarships for five people to attend and, you know, put some additional money towards rental bikes or, or some other thing. Um, obviously couldn't cover the entire cost of that. And so Adam committed to saying, well, I'll reach out to my additional sponsors and see what we can do in terms of bikes, helmets, safety gear, stuff like that. And that is when Mud, Sweat & Gears reached out and reached all the way up and said, you know what? we're here we're doing this and not only are we going to offer the bikes for the ride but you get to take the bikes home you get to take the helmets home so that you can continue to you know on your mountain bike journey long after this festival and we hope to see you next year and that's a part of their objective is you know changing the face of cycling in our local community and i'm just so thrilled to be a part of this partnership so the Scholarship applications are live now on the Edmonton Mountain Breakfast website, and they close on June 30th, and I really encourage, you know, folks to apply. We're looking for, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Uh, super short essay, we're not grading this, this is not a graduate level essay about you know, if there are barriers you face to participating or how much you love mountain biking, um, however however it is that you want to communicate with us. Again, not looking for a graduate level essay if you feel more comfortable communicating by video or photographs, however, however you want to let us know. And um, I'm really excited to offer this.
0: People can check out embfest.ca Or embfest.ca slash scholarship to learn more. So you start this as a master's project, basically, uh, your graduate degree. Um, Mm -hmm. You've identified something. You start talking about it. And now you are uh, actually, like, literally getting bikes under people. And and I don't want to say doing something about it because talking about it is doing something about it. You're lighting a fire under people. You're making people aware of this. But you've got this multifaceted approach right now, sponsoring scholarships in season two fantastic love it congratulations
4: thank you thank you
0: you got it chris is there anything that we i don't want to leave anything on the table here before we thank you for your time i know you've got some new subscribers already i'm seeing them on the live chat talk about this saying i can't wait to catch up on this podcast i can't wait to subscribe to this this is going to be a great event i love this more butts on bikes is great i'm just picking these comments at random um is there anything we haven't touched on you want to note before we say goodbye
4: um, for anyone who is new to the outdoor space, in whatever way you're new to the outdoor space, um, on our social media, we are constantly posting rad content, scholarships, um, tips and tricks, resources. Uh, we've got a ton of resources out there. So if you're looking for that sort of stuff, give us a follow.
0: Perfect. You can find the podcast uh, and Chris's work online at BIPOCoutside.com. Go ahead and subscribe to her podcast and, and and do, this is what matters for us. We These aren't just like throwaway phrases. When we say, please rate, review, and share, it means a lot to a podcast. It really does. And uh, go ahead and give her five stars once you've had a chance to check it out. Chris Cromwell, total pleasure having you on the show. Keep up the amazing work, and I hope to see you on the slope sometime.
4: Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll hit it up and go skiing.
0: You got it, my friend. That's Chris Cromwell uh, doing amazing work again. BIPOC Outside is the podcast. The most recent episode with Chris Chan, building bike-friendly cities. It's a great listen. I encourage you to check it out. Our friends at Eden Landscaping are all about getting outside. They bring outdoor spaces to life. It's how they've built their business, right? Satisfied customers. Maybe they started with the starter home. They didn't like the cookie-cutter. Let's be honest, lame front lawn that came included from the builder, right? So they help the family there, and then the family refers them to a couple other people on the street, right? People that are walking by, they see the curb appeal, they go, who did your landscaping, right? It was Eden. Then the family goes to house number two, right? Maybe a couple kids arrive, a dog, they need more storage space. There's Eden back again, right? The return business, huge for these companies, but it says a lot, doesn't it? When companies continue to trust Eden Landscaping with their vision, they've got this urban front yard butterfly approach, environmentally sustainable, it attracts pollinators, right? Bees, we know we need that for flowers, for sustenance, for life. This is what Eden's all about. A true understanding of how to bring outdoor spaces to life. You can connect with them, browse their portfolio today at landscapeedmonton.ca. Our friends at Infinity Healthcare want to remind you, we talk about home care all the time, home support, personal care, but they also offer nursing care. You know, some people that want to make sure that their family members are receiving the supervision, the supports they need, even while in hospital, are looking to Infinity Healthcare to ensure that there's care around the clock. Their team also specializes in Alberta Health Services self-managed care, which means that there are public funds available that you can allocate where you see fit what's the best fit for your family for your loved one this is infinity's business you can find them online learn about their personality matching service their unique approach to home care at infinity-8.ca And our friends at Park Power want to remind you you're leaving money on the table if you're giving your utilities business to anybody else. If you go to parkpower.ca today, you can check out and compare rates on electricity, natural gas, and internet. And the more you bundle, all three services together is ideal, the more you're going to save. Plus, the promo code 2022-REALTALK gets you $70 off your first bill from Park Power. All right. We wanted to touch on this. I saw some people mentioning it in the clips. The name may not mean much. That was a rude way to put it. But you may not recognize the name Terry Jones unless you're a, a outside. I mean, if you're outside Alberta, if you're not necessarily a CFL or an NHL fan, if you're not a fan of Canadian football or pro hockey, you may not know who he is, but but Terry Jones has been in the business for about 55 years. He's in multiple halls of fame. It's been a legendary career. Whether you like him or not, everybody in Edmonton, everybody in Alberta knows who Terry Jones is. And it was pretty shocking, Uh, although maybe not shocking at all yesterday, John, when Terry tweeted, my last scoop. It's
1: happening more and more.
0: At 1 p.m. today, he says, this was yesterday, this was right after we went off, the, it was like an hour and a half after we mm-hmm. went off the air. He says, after beginning my career at the Edmonton Journal in 1967, I received a phone call from Toronto informing me my position had been eliminated by Postmedia. Thank you all so much for reading. Hardly the way I hoped it would end. And then like the old school newspaper folks do, 30 At the end, 30, the end, 30. 30 is never good to see when someone's talking about their career, unless it's maybe a self-initiated retirement. But we talked about newsrooms shrinking earlier, people being cut loose.
1: Everywhere is shrinking. Everything's becoming more online, more... Yeah. People are like octopuses now, you know? They do a million different jobs, and it just happens where some people lose theirs. But I do... We talked about this off air. Like I, I'm pretty critical of Terry. Yeah. I, I don't which think is he, fine. he's ever been my cup of tea. I understand uh why people in Edmonton are enamored with Terry's work because if you grew up here, I mean he followed the Oilers from WHA all the way through their heydays and, and you know Like
0: he was in the business for twenty years already when the Oilers dynasty yet. started.
1: And I understand that's why he's in the hockey hall of fame, but for me, you know, I moved here in uh, two thousand and eight when things weren't so good for the Oilers. So he was very critical of them. He's very critical of the Edmonton Elk. And, and you were working for the Oilers. Now you work for the Elks. He was very critical of me. Uh, I don't know him. Wait, first. wait, 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 wait. What? Well, game presentation at the Oilers games and music in general. Like he was making public comments oh, about it? he shouted off about, he was Ooh. at the Elks game last. Ooh, <laughs> here we go. The last Elks game, their uh, they're home opener, I yeah. guess. Well, not for the regular season, but you know, and talking about how the game presentation hasn't improved. So this
0: is recent.
1: Oh, this is recent. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. FYI
0: to, to bring you. in. Yeah. I didn't know.
1: But here's the thing. I think journalists are like music is mm-hmm. either like them or you don't. It's 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 your cup of tea or not. It's subjective. And for Terry, he wasn't my cup of tea. But I do agree that no matter whether you like someone or not, whether you agree with them or not, whether you they are your cup of tea or not, uh, the way people are getting let go. Especially when they've been doing their job, and yeah. and for his part, doing it well for the people who like him and for the people who employed mm-hmm. him for that mm-hmm. long, uh, to, to to get let go after fifty plus years on a phone call is just. This is the way of the world nowadays, and it's yeah. just like everything is so impersonal. It's ridiculous.
0: Well, and like, this is um, first of all, I didn't know about the history there. I did. It's actually oh, very yeah. very I told recent. You, I was history. like,
1: I don't want to talk about this. Well, whatever. you didn't say I don't
0: know what you didn't say. You you said. Well, I don't want to say what you said. I don't want to betray your trust, but you basically were like, not a fan. And I was like, and I said, we don't, but this is not the point of that conversation. But now, now that you're spilling. But I
1: want to, I want to make it clear that journalists are like music and my perspective. That's why I said, I didn't know anything about Terry until I moved here in 2008. Sure. So my reading of his criticalness of the double E and the Edmonton Oilers Maybe I would have taken it better if I had known about his twenty, thirty plus years of work before and been exposed to it. Yeah, but I hadn't been, so I was just like, yeah, it didn't rub me the right way. Right, yeah. which is fine.
0: Sure, and and I would say that there are legends in media. Uh, whether I mean it could be anyone. I mean, I remember I, I used to work my very first job at the Calgary Herald. Mm. Uh, it was I was I wasn't I didn't have an office near Catherine Ford because she was like royalty yeah at that time for southern which is now postmedia but but catherine ford was this national columnist and very opinionated and I would I would say like people would say, how's it going at the Herald? Or I'm like 21. I can't even believe I'm there. Canada's fifth largest daily. I'm getting bylines in the newspaper in my hometown. I was like, what is going on here? But Catherine Ford would always have like sort of like bark these sort of these things at me like, what are you doing? Whatever. And then but I, and then she'd kind of smirk or wink. And I fell in love with Catherine Ford. Right. Uh, and uh, she was not like that. Johnny. <laughs> Jeez. But she was amazed. She was an amazing support to me. But then I'd hear from people. People say I love Catherine Fort, or people would say I can't stand that. Fucking, I can't stand Catherine Fort. And it yeah. would be it would be because of her opinion. But she's an opinion columnist, right? We've had Leisha Corbella on the show before, and people are like, "What the fuck are you doing having Leisha Corbella on?" The-? Well, you don't like what she has to say. That's fine. It's not the point. We don't run this through a filter to make sure that. Every audience member agrees that they like the guests before Mm -hmm. we bring them on. We want people to be challenged. It is the job of an opinion writer. I mean, Terry has a very unique style. He writes a bit like Rick Bell. He he talks about your scribe. You know, your scribe said this, your scribe said that. To me, this is not a question. And the the point is not, you know, do you like Terry Jones or not? Do Mm -hmm. you like Brian Hall or not? Do you like Catherine Ford or not? The question is look at how these people are being treated and is that right regardless of the direction the business is going i 100%. tweeted yesterday i said yet another classless dismissal from mainstream media mm-hmm. and some people wrote in to say fuck that guy like fuck that it, it has nothing to do with how you feel about him it has nothing to do about his quality of work yeah let I me mean, terry had some gaffes over the years too he's, he's done some amazing things he also thought he got his google search engine and his Twitter confused once we saw that, we you saw saw that. The
1: thing with the general manager. We saw what he was searching that, you know, his, stuff he said there about and got in trouble with, he them. had some very
0: curious yeah. things in the later stages of his career, but that really doesn't have anything to do with the, the, the more uh, important point I wanted to make, which is just when, when someone has given 55 years of their life of their career that is their life that is their life when they're in halls of fame Mm -hmm. when they're a household name uh and this could be someone that is like you know in leadership at a corporation or it could be somebody that's worked for a family business or whatever it doesn't have to be a member of the media Mm -hmm. this isn't me here jumping to the rescue of media i just couldn't believe a phone call from toronto it's the
1: worst it's the worst. And let me say this. I'll say this one last time because people are maybe listening to this podcast later and think, oh, Johnny just didn't like him because he didn't like his, Johnny's music at the Oilers game. Sure. I took, I got no joy from most of what Terry wrote and put out, but I also got no joy when I saw how he had been fired or let go or whatever you want to call it yesterday. I would never revel in someone being dismissed after you said, after dedicating their life to something, by like a, what I assume is like a three minute phone call.
0: Well, that that's also just because you're a class act.
1: It's just a human being. But I saw those same people on Twitter yesterday who were like, fuck this guy. Yeah. He's
0: way past his expiry date or, you know. Anyone it's, it's, who
1: revels in someone like, you know, this shit could happen to you too. Yeah. You could lose your job for no good meaning or reason, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, TS is chiming in, says I got laid off by Zoom meeting. Um. I got fired by a phone call out of Zoom. Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, what about that me. guy
1: who's that CEO Although the, the who Zoom... fired like 500 people on Zoom? What was it? The, what was the company? I don't know. I forget. But, that happened during COVID. But
0: that's how people get fired now. I mean, I remember when I was at City TV back in the day and I wasn't earning enough to get fired. I think they need, they needed me <laughs> they needed me to keep basically standing at the door of the food bank and doing yeah. three people's jobs for him. But but it was literally like you showed up one day. These are hor- it's horrible how it goes. It's really and you bad. walk in and it's like it's like making the high school volleyball team or not. There's mm-hmm. there's two pieces of paper on the wall. And it's like if your name's on this piece of paper, go into room A. And if your name's on this piece of paper, go into room B. Mm-hmm. And you hope you're in the right room. Uh, but you also have people you care about on that other list, on that 100%. other piece of paper. And you go in there and then they say, OK, you. You know, those of you here, um, this is going to be a difficult day for the people in the other room. And you kind of go, oh, number one, your inclination is, is thank God. And then you go, am I a piece of shit for feeling that way, that I'm relieved? While yeah. everyone, and then you hear some crying next door. You hear someone say, have a, have a moment because they didn't see it coming. And it's just like
1: unceremoniously chopped, right? It, it is the worst. And that's why when I saw that about Terry, I didn't revel in it. Because, you know, you were in media too uh, right before this job. I was with a big company. I'll just say, like I was with Bell Media. Yeah. And is the same thing. Every few months, shrinking. Every few months. Oh sure. Cutting the fat. And yeah. I was like, how long until this happens to me or like everyone I respect or like working with around me? Yeah. So yeah. That's one of the reasons I I jumped out and came on with you.
0: Yeah. One of the reasons. Well, the other was, of course, the free coffee and yes. all the
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: Elks tickets till yeah. you got hired. Yeah. Um, so you know our our thoughts with him I I see some of you asking for my comments on my experience to be honest I'm still uh, when it came to getting fired from the big company from chorus got fired from my radio job Mm -hmm. you know what stung the most Uh, I, I guess I kind of understand like getting, you know, I was on, I get this phone call and it's like the, you know, some big shot in Vancouver and some HR lackey in Toronto Hey, and they're on the call. Yeah. They're on the call and they basically, it was, it was cold and it was like just the hangman's news. Right. Um, but it was my boss, uh, who had been huge in my career Mm -hmm. for a number of years, just going, just dropping off the radar, like an absolute coward and just breaking off all communication. Hasn't said a word to me since. That's what stings. And I still do if you say, oh, it sounds like there's something there. Fucking rights there is. But
1: how hard is that also? It
0: still hurts.
1: Yes, that person's a coward, but.
0: <laughs> they had to do it. It's exactly. business, right? He had they, to do it. They
1: got someone above them. Who sure. Gave them saying, a call and and said, they're saying, don't talk to him.
0: Right. Don't talk to him. Exactly. Don't go play golf with him. Don't whatever.
1: Yeah. Become a robot to him. And. I feel bad for those people, too, because they don't want to lose their job. But that's just the way of the world in digital media. In
0: so case. my takeaway from it, when I tweeted about Terry's dismissal, I, I didn't say that, that Terry deserved another 10 years. I didn't say that I agreed with Terry's maybe takes on everything. It's for, irrelevant. Who cares? Maybe, like, it, maybe you should have retired 10 years ago. But that's not the point. Exactly. That's not The point. The the point is how people are treated. And my one takeaway from it yesterday, I said support independent storytellers. We had Justin Ling on today, independent. Go support him. We have Chris Cromwell on today, independent. Go support her. We are independent. Thank you for supporting us. And of course, thank you for the comments that you make that continue uh, to allow us uh, to tell these stories in a way that we believe is consistent and credible. Uh, We want to make sure that, that that... Uh, defines the work that we do. And we appreciate your support, whether that's through Patreon, whether that's through subscribing to what we do, or otherwise. You know, for that matter, supporting our sponsors.
1: And we will call Ryan on all his cabbage roll debacles on air.
4: We will. (laughs) Yeah check
0: out. I know. I love it. I say to people, it's funny. Some people will write in and there's always the caveat. Hey, Rye, love the show. Listen all the time. I hope you don't mind. And I always, I write back as often as I can. I say, we want you to hold us accountable. We want the fact checks. I want people to trust what they hear on the show. And if we mess up on something like I did yesterday saying you could only get Baba's pierogies at Friesen Brothers. We want you to let us know about that too. (laughs) Mark says Independent has its ups and downs, but it is the future. Mark, you're bang on. It is. Coming up on tomorrow's show. Speaking of this, this is really neat. Linda Steele and Jody Vance, known national broadcasters, are launching a new show on Czech TV in BC. It's an employee-owned Station. They're going to talk to us about their new talk show. Plus, we'll dig into the stories people are talking about across this country. And Supriya DeVetti is back, our Friday regular, our pillar, wrapping up the week. We'll take on all the national news that needs to be talked about. We hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, make it a great Thursday. Thanks for the real talk.
2: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Shivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepherd. Website design, Mike Johnston. voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duveti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr Real Talk is reported in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.